You're listening to a podcast from Grace Church in Salado, Texas. For more information and resources just like this, visit us online at gracesalado.com. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Luke. We look at this text. Last week we began this study in Galatians by looking at Galatians chapter 1, verse 1, and we jump from verse 1 over to verse 11 because what Paul does here, what he does with every one of his letters, he begins by an introduction. Instead of saying, hello team, and then writing the letter, and then at the end saying, sincerely, Paul, he begins with, this is who's writing to you. It gives weight to what you're about to receive. And what we looked at last week was Paul begins by saying, Paul, an apostle, not from men or by men, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. And then he skipped over verse 11. And then from 11 to the end of the chapter, Paul is basically making a statement that what you're about to read, this only gospel that I'm going to present to you This is not my gospel. This is not my calling. I am called by God. This is God's gospel. This is God's news. It's not man's news. It's not man-made. And therefore, should never be man-centered. That was last week. We didn't get very far into the letter And today my plan was to get much further. I wanted us to get all the way through chapter, I mean, verse 9. But I couldn't get past the weight of God's objective with God's news. See, every time somebody's broadcasting the news, there's an objective that goes with that. There is something that they are producing or spreading or sharing that they want the hearers to know. Something that is hopefully, factual, something that they can apply appropriately. And so Paul does that here. He begins with the introduction. Then in verses 3 through 5, he gives to the Galatians and to us, this is God's objective for you as you read this letter. Now, hearing news and connecting with the news is sometimes hard for us because most of the time the news that we get is either A, not really news that pertains to us, or B, it's news that is really horrifying or negative in some way. That's how we think of news often. When a couple in Hollywood breaks up, I don't know how that pertains to me, and I don't know why that comes across my newsfeed, whether it be on the TV or on some app or whatever it is. When a shooting happens in some neighborhood in Chicago, it's horrible, but how does it pertain to me in 
central Texas. When a baby is rescued from a well in Pennsylvania. Great news, right? Y'all can see, right? That's good news? Okay, make sure you're with me. Um, but how does that pertain to me? I mean, so much of the news that we hear doesn't connect with us in application. Or if it does, it's really, really negative. I mean, most of what we discover, however we get the news, is either some sort of scandal a corruption or some other crime or cultural dysfunction that's going on. So Paul is saying here there is some news and it is God's news and it is really good news. In fact, it's the only news and God is saying I have an objective with this news. This is practical news. What are the things that Paul wants and God wants through Paul for the churches in Galatia and for us to understand with this letter. And that's what we're going to spend our time looking at today. That God has objectives in spreading this news that we not only should know, but we can know. It's the news of grace, the news of peace, the news of a rescue, and the news that gives glory to God. Look with me in verses 3 through five, the, 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 the text that Luke just read, and then we're going to pray and get into it. Grace to you. Peace and peace from God, the Father, and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, who, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us. To, to rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. To Him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. God, as I have prayed for years that this news would grab hold of me. I pray that this news grab hold of my friends and those in attendance here today. I pray that like Paul, every time we write to someone, every time we speak to someone, we are in some way communicating this news that we never get past it. So just as Lauren prayed earlier, God, I expect and I ask humbly that you would come and open up our hearts and our clogged ears to hear the beautiful objective that you have in speaking to us. In Jesus' name, amen. The first objective we want to gather from this introduction is that this grace is from God. This grace is from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. You're like, Jason, I, yeah, it's pretty easy to see, but let's look at it. He just says, quite simply, grace to you and peace. We'll get to the peace in just a second, but grace to you from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Quite simply, this message in Galatians and this news that is about to be presented is a message and news of a salvation that does not begin with us. 
we do not initiate the process, nor is it even part of our plan. God comes up with the plan. God comes up with the means. God comes up with how it's going to happen. It is all the grace of God to you. It begins, your salvation, your relationship with God begins with a gift. The gift of grace. Often when I think of this and I think about my own salvation, I see this in this text and text in Ephesians and Romans and some in the Old Testament. I, I'm often drawn to one of the greatest cinematic masterpieces of our time. A movie so profound and filled with satire and metaphor, phenomenal acting, heart-rejoicing truths. I am, of course, talking about the 1995 masterpiece, Babe. How many of you have seen, you see my son doing this, how many of you have seen the movie, Babe? This afternoon, do not go watch soccer, even though it's the opening day, opening weekend. Go home, rent the movie, Babe, and watch the movie, Babe, and laugh that it's one of your pastor's favorite movies. Babe is the, the story in the movie about a pig. Or is it about the pig? Maybe it's about the boss who gets the pig. Do you remember the beginning of this epic comedy drama? Boss Hoggett wins a pig. He goes to the barn or sort of the, where they're storing, and he walks in. There's hundreds of pigs, maybe thousands of pigs, probably hundreds of pigs. And pigs are doing what pigs do, right? They're making a mess. They're snorting. It probably stinks like crazy. And the, the nice boss who walks around like this, real regal, real prestigious, enters into the madness of all the pigs. You remember what happens? He kind of walks through, and he looks, and he picks up this pig. It's a runt of a pig. And then, if you remember the movie, he looks at the pig, and the pig looks at him like pigs look at people. You know, he's got this ugly hair, and he's just kind of got this ugly thing going on with him, and, and the pig has no idea who this is that's picking him up. I remember when I saw that movie, in the first five minutes, I'm weeping, because that's what God did for me. It was like he came in. There's, there's no question where these pigs are headed. Everyone knows these pigs are headed for the slaughter. They're headed, in fact, there's kind of this joke in the movie where uh, they're headed to where pigs are supposed to be headed, to, to the nice farm. And they never, it's so nice, they never come back. They're headed to the slaughter. The trucks are backing up. They're on the brink. The gates are about to open. They're about to be ushered in to the slaughterhouse. Except for this pig who the boss picks up, tucks under his arm, and he shepherds the pig to purpose and meaning. You remember the story? He takes the pig to his farm. He don't know what, the pig doesn't know what he's there to do, but the pig has unusual gifts and um, then the movie, I don't want to ruin it because I know you're all going to go see it, but uh, it is an amazing movie and a picture of our salvation to me. 
It reminds me of Paul, what Paul writes also to the Ephesians in his introduction to the church of Ephesus in chapter 1, verse 3. Listen to this like it's the first time you've heard it in the context of just hearing that crazy illustration about Babe the Pig. And listen as if Paul's writing this letter to you like he wrote it to the Ephesians for, for the first time. You've never heard this before. So here's what he says. Blessed It's the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. Verse 4. For He chose us in Him before the foundations of the world to be holy and blameless in love before Him. He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for Himself according to the good pleasure of God of His will to the praise of His glorious grace that He lavished on us in the Beloved One. The boss, God the Father, has plucked me. Paul is writing to the Galatians. He's saying, grace has come to you. You once were headed to the slaughter, but now you are part of the redeemed. You have been plucked from eternal separation from God. Grace to you, grace to you from God, grace to you from God according to the will of God, the Father. God's gospel. Remember, it's His story. That was last week. God's gospel is a message of planned Resurrecting, outrageous, undeserved grace. And just as much as this news is about His amazing grace, it is just as much a message about the peace that comes when we have Jesus Christ. That's number two. Grace, one. The second objective is for our peace. We are given peace when Jesus Christ Himself dies for our sins. The way Paul introduces it in this letter, he says, grace to you and peace. Peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins. Why does Paul make it a point to include peace from both God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, because our peace comes through The gift of Jesus. Turn with me to Luke chapter 4. As Jesus is announcing his ministry. He's now an adult. He had gone through most of the adolescence, gone through all of the young adult stage. He's now launching into ministry, his three years of public ministry. Um, He comes to this particular section. We come to this particular section in Luke I'm actually going to start with verse 16 and listen to what happens here. He came, Jesus, he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. As usual, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah, Old Testament, Old Covenant, Old news, old, you know, the news of God that was there. He was given the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. And unrolling the scroll, he found the place where it was written. Verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. 
He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recover and the recovery of sight to the blind and to set the oppressed and to set free the oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. In verse 20, and then he rolled up the scroll, he gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down, and the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fixed on him. He began by saying to them, Today, as you listen, this scripture has been fulfilled. They were all speaking well of him and were amazed by the gracious words that came from his mouth. Now, he said, today this, these words have been fulfilled. Jesus said this. Now, what is this message? Good news to the poor. Look, look at who all of this is for. The poor, the captives, the blind, the oppressed. All are stressful situations. All filled with anxiety and baggage and hurt and pain. And Jesus is saying, basically, it's time that all of those now have peace. Good news has come. He sent me to rescue. He sent me to bring sight. He bring me to set, give freedom and to proclaim that this is time for the Lord's favor. We go to John 3.16. You know the famous passage. And we see the, the, the relationship of this peace coming from both the Father and Jesus. In John 3.16, For God loved the world in this way, that He gave His one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. That sounds like we've been saved from a stressful eternity. Peace has come. Verse 17, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him, Jesus. Anyone who believes in Him is not condemned. But anyone who does not believe in Him is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world. The people love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it so that its deeds may be exposed. But anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light so that his works may be shown to be accomplished by God. By God. Anyone who lives by the truth comes to light why do we come to the light? So that it could be evident to everybody this happened by God. So peace comes from the Father as the sender of the gift. Peace comes through Jesus as the gift. The one who took our sins. The one who paid our price. The anguish, turmoil, fear can be gone. Because of Jesus. I know what it's like to do something and to wonder if I'm ever going to be caught and when I'm caught 
I wonder if I'll ever change. You ever felt like that? You ever feel the anxiety of being kind of what Sam was mentioning earlier, that just what it means to be kind of human, pursuing evil, pursuing darkness, being caught up in habits that are destroying your life? There's no peace in that. I remember one particular time I was caught up in some things that just weren't good. And I never, I, in fact, once it became real to me that this is devastating and and um, I was like, how did I ever get to this place? And I, I was in college, and I remember meeting with a dear older brother. He's a minister of a church. And he looked at me as I just was breaking down and telling him the things that I can't believe that have gone on. And he brought me to Galatians 2, verse 20 and 21, the part that Luke read. And he said, I just want you to read this. So I read it. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It didn't catch on, maybe like it didn't catch on with you. So he had me read it, and I read it again, and I read it again, and eventually the truth of that passage broke free and peace finally came. And what I learned is the actions that I was doing for that year or six months or whatever it was, wasn't really me. It was me still living like I'm caught up and in, entrapped in, in by the enemy. But no, that's not why Jesus came. He came to set me free and give me peace. He said, Jason, the very fact that you're here in my office, broken about what's going on, is the reality that God's on a mission to save your life, to set you free. He saved you, he plucked you, and he's bringing you peace. It's what leads to true repentance. This news is that God has a plan for you. This news is that I'm plucking you out by my grace and I'm putting you on mission. And there is peace that comes through the giver and there's peace that comes through the gift of Christ and what he's done. The third objective we see here is he wants his hearers to know that there's help. <laughs> Don't we need this? He wants us to know that there's a rescue. Verse 4, back in chapter 1 in Galatians. Grace to you, peace from God, the Father and Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins. Look at the next part. To rescue us from this present evil age, according to the will of God our Father. This passage does not mean that we are removed from the world. But we are removed from the bondage of the world. The influence and the bondage and the chains to the world have been broken for us. This doesn't mean that we're not going to be tempted again. It doesn't mean that we're not going to give in to sin again. It does mean that we're not enslaved to it. The message that was coming across to me in that office of that pastor one time is, Jason, you don't have to live that way. And that was the freedom. Oh, wait, you mean I can change? Yes, because of Jesus. You are no longer slaves to sin. Never again the same. So the gift of the cross of Christ 
It's not just the forgiveness of our sins. It's not just the, the wiping away from our sins. It's the actual power to live a holy life. It is the breaking of the curse and the breaking of the stronghold of sin in our life. Because of grace, you can break that habit. Because of grace and because of peace and because of Christ, you can stop doing the things that you know are tearing you and your family apart. This is what Jesus has come to do. Holiness comes from the cross of Christ. His redeeming blood and the spirit that we're going to learn about throughout this book and this letter. The spirit that takes over and makes us new. This is God's news. It's the only gospel, and it's simply a news about grace to us, peace for us, and a real help and a real rescue from evil. And finally, we see an objective here with this news in verse 5. To Him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. The objective of our news as a church, the objective of the news as Paul, is that we are called and saved by the grace of God, given the peace of God, rescued from evil, so that we can glorify God. What's the best gift you have ever received? What comes to your mind? No matter what it was, you can almost never think of that gift detached from the one who gave it. A child that might be describing her birthday gifts. You go to this little girl, Sally. Sally, what all did you get for your birthday? And she goes through her list. I, I got a new shirt and I got some new shoes. I, I got this doll. If you're my family, she would say, I got this basketball. Um, I got some new art supplies, some new school stuff. And then all of a sudden her face changes her countenance and it lights up. And she says, my grandma gave me a pony. Do you catch the difference there? The other gifts are good gifts. They're nice. I got this. I got this. I got this. This is cool. This is good. But she, she opened up. She gave me a pony. We do this when we are overwhelmed by a gift that we know, we know we didn't expect, and we know we didn't deserve. When we think about our gifts that are small, it's usually from the perspective of this is what we got. But when we are blown away by a gift that overwhelms us, we can't help but to tell people this is what they did. We go out of our way to say, I can't believe he gave me the resort package. I can't believe that my boss is sending me to Aspen. I can't believe that we got this package to go on this cruise to here. I can't believe that they did this for me. It's almost like we're saying, can you believe it? Can you believe me? My, my generous giver has given me life. This is how Paul begins the letter. God gave you something. He gave you something that you could never generate on your own. He gave you something that you never deserved or could earn. He gave you something that we so desperately need. And the appropriate response Paul's getting to is, to Him 
be the glory forever and ever. Let me translate that for you in words that you don't use glory a lot. To him, we are going to applaud and praise. To him, we're going to make famous. We're going to talk about him everywhere we go because he is the reason why I catch this football. He is the reason why I write this way. He is the reason why I can sing and walk and dance and have a family and have hope for the future. It's all because of him. God saved me. If you would like to start this letter in the way that Paul would like the Galatians to start this letter, this week, do something I'm going to do. Make a list of all the gifts, all your favorite gifts that you've received in the last, or let me even simplify it, okay, so you don't offend anybody. You're not going to show this list to anybody. Well, my gift's not on there. Uh, don't do that, okay? Make a list of your top 10 gifts that you've ever received in your life. Okay, maybe it's a bicycle, maybe it's a puppy, maybe whatever, whatever it is. Make, maybe it's a pig that can herd sheep, I don't know, whatever it is. Make a list of your top 10 things. I would guess if they're your top 10 favorite gifts of all time, you can easily remember who gave you those gifts. I would even encourage you to even, if they're still living, send them a note. Hey, back when I was eight, you gave me this gift. Thank you. I've never gotten over it. I just wanted to thank you again. Even right now as a 46-year-old, I want to tell you, thank you. It mattered a lot to me. Do that exercise. Watch what happens to your countenance. This, this joy will come over you just recalling 10 gifts from 10 people that gave you something special to you at the time. Now, when you're done with that, Turn the page over in a journal or however it is you're writing it down and just make a list of all the things that you've done that has caused you to deserve the grace of God. You, you, you may start writing things and then you'll realize real quickly that didn't deserve great. That, that didn't deserve great. In fact, we can make a list of all the reasons we don't deserve the grace of God. The reason why I would like you to do that exercise is because I want you to see that there's a natural response that comes to all of us when we're deeply, deeply appreciative. It's a response of, thank you. Thank you. And so when we gather on Sunday mornings, there's a couple things that we're praying for. We want to encounter the living God, but also when those words come up on the screen, when the words are read, that our response is, wow, that is grace. It's, I'm remembering what he's done for me, and I can't help but to sing. I can't help but to go, even if I don't, can't carry a pitch or a tune or whatever, I don't care who's around me, I can't help but to respond I am saved by grace. Peace of Christ has come to me. I have been rescued from being a slave to the sins of this world. Forever. This news is why we're saved. It's grace of God. This news is why we can have joy. It's the peace of Christ. This news is why we can live in freedom. We are rescued from evil. And this news is why we live to glorify God.
So, we are going to wrap up our time responding in song to this news. And I want to remind you practically that to be saved by grace means there's nothing you have done, there's nothing you could do to win the gift, to earn the gift. It's just given to you. To think about the peace of Christ. There's nothing you have done, there's nothing you could do to get more peace than what Christ is already offering to you. And when it comes to the strongholds, those habits in your life, all you have to do is join with me in every song that we sing and every time somebody preaches is say, yes, because of Christ, I'm free. I don't have to keep drinking that or looking at that or cheating here or doing this. I can be free from that. And maybe you want to come up and kneel and pray and just say, Lord, help me know the freedom you've already given to me. Maybe you ask somebody around you, can you tell me how to be free like he's talking about? And if they don't know what to do, they're going to bring you up to us and we'll walk you through it and we'll do it together. But freedom is available through Christ. This is just the introduction of the only gospel. This is just the beginning of what Paul is going to do to bring freedom and joy and God through Paul is going to do to bring freedom and joy and zeal and love. And you wait, we're setting all this up to get to look at the work of the Spirit of God in our lives. It's going to be amazing, but we begin by bowing our heads and just saying to God through song and through prayer, let's bow your heads with me. Oh, great heavenly Father. Even now I think about the wonderful gifts I've been given, but nothing, nothing compares to being plucked and saved from the slaughter. 